Satish, thank you so much for coming on to Startup Steroid today. Um, I'm really excited to learn about Top Shelf. I think you, you have a fantastic strategy and you're making some great investments. So hopefully we can discuss that today. And then um, we'll also discuss maybe a little bit of your background because I think you know, starting in IT, going into uh, investments, I think is a really interesting path. Uh, so I'm hoping to learn all of that today. Um, but before we get into the specifics, uh, let's start with a quick introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, one year ago, we started uh, Top Shelf Equity Partners uh, with, the, with the goal to democratize the VC investing. So, uh, so far, like, you know, as an enterprise architect, uh, my job was to find a right tool for the solution we are building. So most of the products we chose uh, are really, really good products, and they're not public yet. They are still in private. So in the VC stage. So um, I think companies like Snowflake, MongoDB, ServiceNow, and uh, these companies are extremely good. And we analyze these companies and then pick those companies as solutions for the problems we are trying to solve. And then when I saw the news, like, you know, all these companies are getting listing with extra, you know, with the good valuations. So that's when I realized, okay, so we know the companies are good and uh, even before they went public. And then is there a way for us to invest in these companies? So I tried to do the only simplest way I knew was get a job in the company, get stock options and be part of that company. Mm-hmm. And but with that approach, I cannot scale myself. I can get job only in one company. <laughs> so then I started like realizing, OK, can I invest my money in these companies even before they you know, uh, go public, but my check size is too small. So then how can I solve this problem? I like 10 different companies and I really, really want to invest in those companies because they have the real product, real revenues, real use case, and they provide extremely good value at a fractional cost to the customer. And the retention is extremely good. They fit in the ecosystem, they, in the solution we are trying to build. So then I said, okay, how can I put my money in these companies? So that's when I started realizing. And then uh, we looked into uh, various opportunities and uh, started exploring, talking to the people, talking to the uh, CEOs and stock admin teams and all those uh, folks. Then we realized that, you know, it is possible to invest into those companies, but you still have to come with bigger checks. So with the help of my brothers and family and friends, so we started, uh, uh, you know, collecting funds and then acquiring these stocks in like, you know, in six digit numbers. <laughs> and that's how we started Top Shelf Equity Partners. Before this, I was trying with my own money to see if this works or not. I got connected with some, you know, the C-suite you know, uh, employee of the SoFi. And then uh, we acquired close to, uh, you know, $100,000 worth of stock. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, the company went public. So that's when we started, you know, uh, analyzing the companies, you know, valuations, and then raising money and acquiring the stock, and then trying to try to democratize the VC investing. I think this is such a fantastic way to sort of learn about the companies because you were looking at the companies as a customer and got to know them, got to realize, you know, see that this is the best product, this is the best price point, all of those things that a customer would look for. 
And once you recognize it, obviously that company is going to succeed because they're, they're the market leaders, right? So I loved how you sort of started analyzing companies. Um, so you, you were doing investing well before Top Shelf started, right? So uh, your first investment was probably close to six years ago, I think. Tell us about yes. that, that investment and how, what, you know, what those early lessons were for you. Okay, that, that's a great question. So six years ago, when my friend came and said, I wanted to build something, right? Mm. So that's when a group of my friends, we, you know, we uh, talked on the uh, Zoom call. Uh, and then we said, you know, he explained the problem he's trying to solve. What is the opportunity? And then we are really convinced. And then we said, okay, let's explore. And that's how we funded, you know, the first uh, angel investment. My, at least that's my first angel investment. And the company is called Automate.io. Six years wow. ago, and since then, my friend Ashok has done a great job in building the company. And recently, they, the company got acquired by Notion. And mm -hmm. Notion is a, you know, business, uh, the productivity solution uh, company. So that's my first angel exit. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, they, you. See, when, when you have a great experience like that, now you can actually see the possibility. So that's fantastic. Um, tell us about other experiences before Top Shelf. So uh, prior to Top Shelf, I did, you know, three years ago, another angel investment in a company called uh, Monsoon Credit Tech. So they do, they provide the data points to the bank so that they can uh, predict the, the lending, you know, the borrower capacity to say if they can repay the loan or not. And that product seemed really interesting to me. And then I really liked the founder and CEO. So I invested, uh, I made a good investment in that company and it's working out pretty well. So, and those are my two angel investments. And then uh, I also invest in the technology companies that I know that are listed. It's easy to access. You just go to any brokerage account and then you invest. So some of my companies did extremely good. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic. So last year you said, okay, now this is working. The, you know, these investments are already yeah. paying off. Uh, you started top shelf. Um, but the idea was to invest in more mature companies, not the angel investing right. route. Uh, so tell us about that initial thought process for sort of the pre-IPO style companies. Right. So before we, just before Top Shelf, uh, we started Top Shelf, I wanted to try if this, uh, you know, investing into the late stage companies really work or not. So yes. I know I found like a couple of companies and I said, okay, let me try to invest in these companies. So I started with Palantir and then uh, we got into that company way, you know, maybe like uh, six months before it went public. And then uh, Confluent, you know, which is another, my favorite company, you know, it's a enterprise support for the uh, Apache Kafka. And then I like that company. And then I entered into that company. Uh, and then we got into Robinhood. Most of you know Robinhood. And then, um, so all these four companies, we, in, we took a position sometime in July, 2020. So one year later, 
all are public now, giving me like close to, you know, good returns. I don't know if I can say it or not, but uh, extremely good returns. Yeah, all <laughs> so, four of these are household names now. So I don't think we have to discuss the returns. Very healthy yes. returns. <laughs> yes, it's pretty good uh, healthy returns, you know. Yeah. And um, so in November, I realized how can we scale it? So I solved my own problem, you know. Uh, of investing lower you know lower size tickets into the late stage companies then how can i take it to my friends so that's when we identified another company called automation anywhere and then um uh, and then we tried to uh, raise the funds and then because the automation anywhere the opportunity is so good we are getting the stock at the same uh, the 7 billion dollars as same as the previous round and then the in comparison, there's a company called UiPath. That's, mm -hmm. That was about to go public, like extremely high valuation. So we immediately saw the opportunity and then analyzed the company automation anywhere, like just like you do, you know, you go to their community edition, sign up for their product and then do some coding, talk to the uh, people who are actually developing the product. I, I talked to the people who are selling the product and everybody said good things about the company. So I, I really like the company and the valuations are extremely good. And then we work with the company to secure uh, their stock and then work with the uh, security attorney to create a vehicle so that uh, you know people like me can invest in these funds so that's when we got the idea of can we democratize this vc vc style investing so it worked really well you know a lot of my friends who trusted me they participated in the automation anywhere and then since then we did uh, a lot of funds like we did the uh, thought spot which is another good uh, data visualization company. And then we did a rope break uh, and uh, we uh, raised funds for the Kraken. And then um, well, recently we participated in the primary round of the people.ai. So, so that's how we are right now at uh, $20, uh, $20 million under uh, assets under management. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, that's such an exciting year so far and uh, you're just getting started. Um, but I do want to learn more about your sort of uh, thought process before you are actually making these investments. You you sort of touched on, you know, what things you look at, obviously product being the primary thing. But how are you doing the due diligence? How are you analyzing these companies? Tell us a little bit more. Okay, so uh, first we, because I'm the technology person, you know, I work with a couple of my friends and um, and as I told you, I'm from IIIT Hyderabad and uh, I have many friends who are in the technology field. So I try to leverage most of these friends and then see, you know, once we identify the opportunity and then look at the company, then we do the research in many folds, just like what I used to do as an enterprise architect, is the product good? Can it sustain for long? Who are the competitors? Why is it better than the other products? And then uh, is it really what it is saying about the revenues? And we check the customer stickiness, we check the annual contract values, and we check uh, with what type of partners this company is actually engaging to sell their product. And what are their revenue models? What are their subscription models? So, and uh, uh, who is the leadership behind the, you know, developing these products or the, running the company? So we check so many parameters and I talk to so many people in the company. And then that's how we come to the conviction and then check the valuation. And that's when we take a decision. 
So that's how we pick the companies. That that's fantastic. Um, so when you let's talk about the valuation specifically, because I know that that is a sticking point for a lot of people. Because right now, you know, valuations are uh, just going crazy. Um, how do you decide if you know companies A valuation? We don't have to talk about a specific company, but in general, how do you decide if companies A valuation is good uh, for you to make an investment versus company B, which might have you know a much higher valuation? And it's probably something you want to stay away from. So uh, the valuation is pretty interesting. So one one parameter is like, you know, how many rounds of investment, you know, how many series uh, fundraisers the company did, like, you know, series A, series B, series C. What is what, what is the last round valuation and how much money was invested and who invested in the company? So that's my metric. So based on that, how much value am I paying right now? So now check what is the duration, you know, if the company is valued like a billion dollars a few months ago, and I tend to pick a company, you know, even if that is good, between 1 billion to $1.5 billion, you know, like plus or minus 20%. But if the company was valued a billion dollars three years ago, and it could be like $10 billion, $20 billion, in that scenario, I check, is there, can I pick another company, listed company, to make apples to apples comparison, right? For example, UiPath at $28 billion. Automation anywhere, we were getting it like, you know, $7 billion. So is it really one-fourth of the company? No, automation anywhere is like, as in my view, it's as good as the UiPath. So then that's how we compare uh, the valuations and then pick the company. Got it. That's a perfect example where you immediately on the day of investment, you have a 4x uh, possible return built in yes. without even company growing. So that, that's fantastic. Um, so now let, let's continue on. What kind of deals are you looking for going forward? Um, yeah. So our sweet spot is technology, SaaS companies. That's what we understand, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so we tend to pick a company that we can understand. So the, the, the biggest problem with these uh, uh, companies, the private companies is you don't have access to their revenues. You don't have access to their valuation. All you can see is the product. You can feel it because you can use it. You can get the demo and you can talk to the people who are selling the product. And then you can see what uh, are the, um, the value of the you know, contracts and all those things. And then you can see the Gartner reports. And then, so because you don't have the exact uh, top line, bottom line numbers, but there's a risk. How you mitigate the risk is your knowledge of the product, your understanding of the company, and then the research, the technology, what they are doing and the problem they are trying to solve. And you can predict what's their runway. And based on that, you know, I pick the company and sometimes I have to compromise on the valuation. You know, for example, if you look at the company called Databricks, two years ago, it was like $6 billion. And uh, one month ago, they raised funds at a $38 billion valuation. They raised $1.6 billion. So now in two years, the company is like six times. Right. So it's a, it's a very, you know, you have to look into, you have to put a lot of factors into the equation and then take a decision whether to invest or not. Right, right. So that, that's actually a perfect example where if a company has grown, you know, 6x in the last two, three years, 
do you see again you know when you are making the investment you are looking for certain type of return 5x 10x whatever return that you might be targeting do you at that point now have to see if there's a possibility of you know that 35 36 million dollar billion dollar company going to 150 billion dollars to get your 5x right uh, do you sort of forecast that kind of uh, uh, future for some companies we do for some companies we don't do so for a company from you know this is what i believe right for a company to grow from 100 million to 200 million dollars maybe it's easy for a 35 billion dollars company to grow to 150 billion dollars company it right. takes time because you are yeah. moving a lot of mass right yeah. yeah so i usually tend to see what are the better opportunities if not this then what else i have right so that's when you know recently we started moving into companies like in series d plus stage right okay and uh, and and it's interesting you know i want to talk about this you asked about the valuation right how you pick the valuation mm -hmm. and i want to talk on those two things yeah, again absolutely so recently we participated in the people.ai and then we co-invested with you know other big tier one vc people you know vc investors right so yeah they have information access to advanced information so they can analyze the company and uh, they are valuing the company at one billion dollars and that's the price same price we are getting into so we sometimes we lean on the big brothers to see okay right. so one billion dollars is good let's invest in it <laughs> so right. that's one way we actually you know <laughs> do the valuation absolutely and, and those guys have insights you know, insights into the financials, insights into the team, insights into the future strategy that you right. as the smaller investment investor in the round may not necessarily have. Exactly. And that works well for if you are participating in the primary round. But if right. you are doing this secondary, then that's a little bit difficult. So that's what mm -hmm. where we what where I mentioned, you know, you check uh, what's the previous valuation, how much time it has elapsed and what is, what are the comparables, things like that okay that's yeah i mean that, there are a lot of factors there so let me ask you this question so now that uh, you you sort of figured out what company you want to go after you want you've sort of tested the product tested the market making sure this is the right company how difficult or what is the process of you getting an allocation uh that's significant for your investors um you know access to those uh, ceos or you know executive team to actually come in, you know, talk to you, do the due diligence, et cetera. What has that process been like? Okay, that, that's an interesting question. So it actually, you know, if you are approaching an early stage company, people are always approachable, you know, they talk, they are willing to talk. So I do so many cold uh, emails on the LinkedIn and just message, you know, I do research on the company and I say, hey, I want to talk about this. Do you have a few minutes? And uh, so far, I reached out to so many people and everybody was, you know, was willing to talk about the product. And that's on the early stage. On the mid stage, so I use contacts of my previously, you know, my previous relationships to my friends or, you know, people who I work with. And then I talk to those people and then get introductions. And that's how we try to get the allocation. Mm -hmm. And for the late stage, it is extremely difficult to work with, uh, uh, you know, uh, to secure the allocations because here 
what we do is we provide uh, liquidity to the employees. So somebody in, in most of the technology companies, in the high growth technology companies, they, they give the cash component and also the stock component. And the stock is illiquid for them until the company goes public. Mm. So that's when we approach the company, hey, we want to provide the liquidity to the employees. And then, and then we find the employees or the you know, people who want to you know, get some dollars for buying a home or doing right. whatever they want to. And then we try to enter into the agreement and work with the company to get the stocks transferred to top shelf. Oh, in okay. all the late stage companies we do, we are always on the cap table of the company. We are buying it. So we nice. never do fund of funds. We don't invest in some right. XYZ fund that owns XYZ fund and that owns the ultimate stock. Because right. here, what we believe is, because most of my investors are like, you know, um, they, they trust top shelf. And then the way we can mitigate the risk is, we directly work with the companies. And then when we purchase the stock, we are on their cap table. So that's how we, you know, there's a whole, like, you know, some companies have a 20 day, 30 day offer process. So mm -hmm. we enter into the agreement and the company says, yes, you are good to go. And then the board approves the stock transfers. And that's how we get into the cap table. Right. That, that's fantastic. And I, I love the idea of approaching the employees first and, uh, you know, uh, because you're not looking for, you know, $100 million, you're looking for, you know, two, three, five, 10 million. So okay. that allocation you might be able to get from an employee uh, or several employees versus uh, go approaching the company directly. So I love that right. strategy. Um, so we've, we've sort of touched on a lot of different aspects of investing and, you know, your strategy. Has there, is there something that I haven't asked you that's really important that's critical to the story? Um, so uh, maybe the way we do, we structure the products is, again, I said, right, the, our, our mission is to democratize the VC investing, right? Mm -hmm. So the way, what we try to do is, the name itself is top shelf is like, you know, you go to Walmart, you find the best product in top, in the, at the top shelf and you pick it and you go. You don't spend research on like, you know, how this chewing gum is made, you know, what does it right. do, how much of it. So that's the kind of products we are trying to build. So the way the structure works is, you know, uh, we, we uh, create a fund and all our funds contain you know, only one company at that particular price. So if you like that portfolio company and you want to get to access to that company, so you buy the interest in, in the fund and that fund owns the stock. So you are indirectly owning the stock. Mm -hmm. So in this whole process, uh, the investment is, you know, I, I have to mention this, the investment, so you are relying on the valuation of the company and then your uh, investment is illiquid until the company goes public. And then you hope that the uh, company continues to grow in the double digit or triple digit or whatever we, you know, see on the research reports. And then once the company goes public after the lockup period expires, that's when you get access to the funds. So the, the, the cautions, you know, the, the, the risks I would say in this type of investment is, one is the money is illiquid. Two, you don't know for how long it is illiquid. Yep. So number three, you are investing based on, because the, all the profit and loss statements are not available like a listed company, you may not have access to the full, uh, the, the financial numbers. So, and, and uh, so that's the risk you are willing to take. 
Right. No, and that's really interesting. Um, let me ask you this. This is as an investor, I know that a lot of times uh, when the lockup period ends, uh, usually in that week or in those uh, few days, uh, valuations may take a big hit because everybody's liquidating, everybody's exiting, or there might just be huge fluctuations where you don't really know your exit point. Um, do you have a strategy to deal with that or is that the rule? Like as soon as the lockup period ends, we end um okay so this is interesting so yes most of the technology companies when the lockup period ends you know a lot of people dump the stock and then the stock price may go down and sometimes it may go up but for all the four investments four exits we did like uh two two of them i know on the post lockup they did go down but still we made good irr so okay. based on the valuation you are entering if you are comparing that with the exit your exit value it is right. still good return right 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 so yeah after the company you know the post lockup period then you know pretty much we don't add any value the same stock you can go to robin hood or fidelity or any brokerage account and then you can buy the stock so that's when we end and then uh, say you know we realize the profits right and that's that's a great thing for the investors to know also because if they want to stay in the stock they can just buy it at the open market. There's no, re right. no reason for a top shelf to hold that stock. Exactly, um, yeah. Perfect. Um, so now uh, let's, uh, you know, I, I always end with the same question that if there are founders, if there are CEOs watching and they're listening to you and they want to get an investment from you. So Satish, uh, what is the one thing you, uh, the founder has to do? Okay, so uh, maybe it's a couple of things. So this is coming from my personal experience, right? So before, if, if there's an entrepreneur who is coming to me to, you know, for my check, and this is what I expect. Um, I want to, uh, because, you know, we, uh, we, we understand that there's a high risk in investing in any company in the early stage, right? So we assume the risk what we want to what i want to hear is the true intent you know the true roadmap you have the, the exact thing that you want to do and if you can articulate that without having to please any check writer uh i want to see the the true actual thing that you want to build so that's before you get my check and after you get the check i probably like to get like you know maybe an update in six months and never be hesitant to deliver the bad news. You can tell the good news, you can tell the bad news. The bottom line, I would say one thing is never try to please uh, the, the check writer. Yeah, that's a great point and really well said. Uh, we're essentially your partner. So we wanna know exactly what's going on. Don't try to be a salesperson with us. That's not necessary, right? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. So, Dish, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate uh, learning about Top Shelf and what you're doing and your wisdom. I, I, I think uh, we definitely have some deals in the future, so we'll be working together on those. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Dawal. Pleasure is mine.